Hello and welcome to the Salesforce United podcast, a podcast to satisfy our curiosity about Salesforce and the people who work with it. Here we discuss engineering discoveries, professional secrets, and the career of our guests. My name is Andrei Paskrikov, I'm a software engineer and your host for this show. Hello everyone, it's me, Olga Dmitrieva, a Salesforce software testing engineer, and I'm happy to greet you here today on our podcast devoted to exploring this fascinating world of Salesforce uh, with the help of our best experts and professionals from all around the world. Uh, hi, I'm Ola Malatilova, and as always, I'm passionate about Salesforce, but today even more about our guest. So our guest today is uh, Sean Zimmermaker, a lead functional consultant who has worked in the IT industry for over 20 years with 10 of those specifically focused on Salesforce. Sean has come a long way from his roots as an IT systems specialist to his current role as a lead functional consultant. Uh, fascinating as it sounds, he has also managed to develop his skills as a yoga instructor. And in today's podcast, we will not only discuss technology in business, but work-life balance and how to lead a healthy and joyful life as well. Sean, welcome to the podcast. We are really happy to have you here. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. And uh, getting back to our first question. So uh, could you please uh, tell us what does Salesforce mean to you and uh, why have you chosen it in the first place? That's a loaded question. Uh, um, sale, I mean, for me, Salesforce has just been a... What's interesting is when I started my career, there was no Salesforce. Um, I really, I was a late bloomer trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I stumbled into technology and into IT. Um, but when I did, the internet was just starting. I was working in mainframes at, at Verizon. Um, so it was very, before any of that ever really kind of transpired. Um, I decided to go back to school because I really wanted to, I didn't see myself as a coder. I didn't want to get into the coding and into that, the typical IT positions that there were. Um, so I went back to school to be a trainer or like a, a, a corporate trainer. And in that process, I happened to come across um, my first CRM system when they were just coming about. Um, and in that, um, I, found my, I found myself in a I was on a sales team um, for, with GE, GT, um, GE Financial, um, and they needed a technical person to be a liaison between their IT department and their sales team in order to um, gather requirements and build out their first homegrown CRM system. So that's how I kind of got into that entire environment. But during that process, I came across Salesforce, and I thought, this is so cool. Why are we building our own system when there's Salesforce right there? Um, and this was just, it was back in like 2006, so it was just the very beginning of Salesforce. Um, and I knew then, I'm like, I, I want to work with this. There was just something about it that, that I connected with. And it would, it would take several years um, for me to actually get into the industry and to, and to work with Salesforce. But I just kind of knew that that's what I wanted to do. There was something in it that I, I really liked. Um, someone who didn't want to be a coder, I found that, wow, I can actually build out all these, you know, tools and solutions um, without having to know code. Um, it was just that sweet spot of being able to um, represent businesses and still also connect with IT and functionality and automation, etc. So for me, Salesforce was just a means to 
you know, empower my career where I could actually, you know, do what I was liking to do versus, you know, taking on additional skills that I didn't want to do, like coding or project management or things like that. And as I remember, as I remember that years, uh, no code and low code was completely new idea, absolutely new idea. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, what's funny is people tend to, um, it's funny that as Salesforce has grown and as more businesses have taken it on, um, especially when, when IT departments actually take on, you know, Salesforce, what's funny is Salesforce, when it first was introduced, it was a way to bypass IT departments because IT departments were so um, locked down in their own historical way of doing things And businesses got tired of waterfall methodology. They got tired of waiting for things to be done um, or having to go through tons of requirements, documentations to, to be able to implement something. And so Salesforce, the way it found its niche is by going right to the, the business units. And those business units could take a business analyst who knew the business, but just needed to learn Salesforce and implement you know, policies and or not policies, but, but, um, procedures and, and functionality to support the business. So it was, it's interesting that it, it started out as a way to get around IT departments. Uh, Sean, and uh, I see that you have so much experience connected with Salesforce, performing different roles and bringing a product of a high quality to the world. Uh, and in terms of your experience of a high level professional, how would you explain what is Salesforce CRM system to someone who's totally unfamiliar with it? Like a junior specialist starting to explore it? I mean, uh, to talk in easy words about different things, difficult sort of things. Yeah. You know, depending on who I'm talking to, I have a, 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 a collection of ways that I describe it. One way I describe it is it's a customer database on crack. Um, it's, um, it's, you know, typical, it's a CRM system. It started out as a, you know, a CRM customer relationship management tool. So it's a basically, you know, a database where you have all your customer information. Um, but then what Salesforce did is To, you know, take that and take it to another level. So what Salesforce had done was taking your typical customer databases and adding in functionality. So adding in built-in reports, adding in um, a different, you know, automation that was available, forecasting, um, opportunity management. Um, it took the, the aspects of a sales process and automated it. So that's where it kind of came up with the, the, the name Salesforce. Um, ironically, when Salesforce started expanding into other areas, they realized, wow, Salesforce is a name is kind of misleading because it's not just limited to sales, but they were what's, but they found that that term was so well branded that trying to change it to force.com or something else just wasn't working. They needed to kind of stick with it. But back to the, the question, like how I describe it, it's, it's, it's a platform. It's a, it's a um, cloud-based platform that users pay for licenses and then with those licenses they're able to you know use the functionality either out of the box or they can customize it or or configure it based on their needs so just like um, you know you've got your iphone or your your android and it comes with a set apps um, or a default operating system just like salesforce salesforce is cloud-based But it's a, it's a platform that has a set amount of functionality and apps that are out of the box. But just like on your mobile device where you can add in new 
apps and new functionality from other people, Salesforce had, has that as well. So it's, it's really just kind of a, a cloud-based platform that you can run any aspect of your business on. Yeah, thanks a lot. It was a very nice and catching explanation. Uh, and if to switch to Salesforce peculiarities, such as Salesforce annual releases, which are so important for us, how do you manage to stay on top with Salesforce new features, products and apps according to that so much information which is released annually? Okay, if I'm honest, I don't. <laughs> Um, I, it was a, I have to admit, it is really difficult. It's really challenging. And I think that one, anyone, especially new into the, into the market or into working with Salesforce, it is overwhelming. There's a lot there. You know, when, you know, back when there was just sales cloud and service cloud, um, or just salesforce.com, it was, it was really easy to keep up with it because quarter release, they would put out release notes. They would put out trainings. You could, you know, You, you do those trainings and you pretty much knew what functionalities were being released. But as Salesforce has grown and they have all these different clouds and all this extra functionality, it's, it's really difficult to stay up to date and stay up, you know, stay current. Um, but I think part of the strategy that I have found and, and I suggest to others is, you know, first stick with what your, what your area of expertise is. So if I'm, so for instance, if sales, Salesforce has multiple clouds, which are just a different collection of, of applications and functionalities, but they, there's, there's sales cloud, there's service cloud, which is more customer service and, um, um, and call center type work. They've got experience cloud, which is, you know, putting out sites where, where people can, can um, access your community, your, you know, your community. There's commerce, commerce cloud, there's revenue cloud, there's um, nonprofit cloud, there's education cloud, there's health and health cloud. There's all these different um, functionalities. And I think first and foremost, stick with what your primary area is and keep up to date on that. Trailheads, keeping up with trailheads, um, keeping up with, with your, um, With, I'm sorry, I've got a, they're decided to, if, I'm not sure if you can hear it or not, they've decided to mow their lawn right outside my window. Sorry about that. But with your release notes, you know, check the trailheads that are associated with them um, and just make it a regular habit of staying up to date on the education. So that way you don't get too far behind, make it as a, a regular process, whether it's like once a week, you're just checking out what, um, you know, what new trailheads there are, or what new releases there are, or whether it's quarterly, but something where it's a regular, a regular basis for you. Yeah, Sean, that is exactly what I do with release notes. I have a list of uh, list of chapters, which I uh, check in every re release note, but it's uh, maybe 20% of all release notes, not more. It's well, and, it, it, and I've always found, you know, if I'm being honest, I really miss the trainings that they used to do regarding the, the um, with the release notes now, because I never read, read the release notes because they are so expansive. Um, I mean, they're like 500 pages long, but it's a lot of it's repetitive information with a lot of hyperlinks. Um, so yeah, it's, and I also find that I also let the client kind of drive what I focus in on. So for instance, um, you know, whatever function, whatever client I'm working with, whatever functionality that they are needing or they're, they're, I'm working on with them, that's where I'm going to have my primary focus. 
because there's only so many hours in the day. You can only keep up with so much functionality in Salesforce. And I find letting the need drive the focus is makes it a little bit more, it makes it more accessible, makes it more applicable because you're also retaining it because you're using it versus if I'm not working with a, a university, I'm not going to necessarily stay up to date with Education Cloud, you know, as an example. You can always catch up later on if if the need arises based on the client. Yeah, I suppose that everyone can take an advantage of this strategy. It's really cool. Uh, and Sean, I noticed on your LinkedIn profile that you write about passion to root cause analysis. And as a software testing engineer, I cannot help but ask you a question about it. Could you please give any piece of advice of what kind of general scheme or flow one should have in their mind when doing the root cause analysis? It's really very important for us. Uh, yeah, I love root cause analysis. I got into that when I when I was just entering IT. I worked at Verizon and worked in issue resolution. So every trouble ticket that came in, part like part of that process was in order to close it, we had to identify what the root cause of the problem actually was, and then what possible preventative actions we can implement in the future to help resolve that. So root and the best definition I've ever been given from a root cause analysis was a, a coworker of mine. And she explained it this way. She goes, keep asking the question why until you can't get an answer. And it really is that it's digging and digging. Well, why? Well, why? You know, someone didn't have the, the you know, someone didn't have the knowledge. Well, why didn't they have the knowledge? Was it not communicated? Was it not available? You know, you can, there's always, you can dig down to find out like what, what's the real problem underlying underneath all of the various symptoms of a problem and i think that root cause analysis is really important because if you're not addressing that you're just dealing with symptoms and and you're if there's more a chance of those problems still coming up in just in different ways if you haven't actually addressed what the real um root cause was Okay, thank you very much. I will remember your advice about asking the why question. Uh, and I think that our listeners would really like to hear of what would you say are the most important skills uh, for a Salesforce consultant to have? Um, first and foremost, the ability to listen. I mean, to really listen. Um, it's a, especially in the Salesforce arena, um, it's very easy to fall into our experience, um, especially when terms are used. Um, we hear lead, we automatically think what that is. We hear account, we automatically have a concept of what we think that is. You know, we hear um, a sales process, we ha automatically, you know, have an idea of what we think that is. And I have found that companies and customers like to use the same terms, but in completely different ways than other people and other other customers. Um, and so, there's the need to really question and listen. And listen, what what are they what are they saying? What are they, they describing? Don't go into assumptions. Um, also, the ability to question. Um, you know, there's an art to asking questions. Uh, my my role has primarily been you know, as a Salesforce consultant. I'm always in the VA role, so I'm a business analyst, and so I have to gather the requirements. And so the ability to know what questions to ask, and then with each answer, know what additional questions you know feed off of that. Um, and then in addition to the ability to ask questions, 
having the courage to question. So often customers will, and it's human nature, they tend to tell you what they think they want versus describing what their actual problem is. And you have to have the courage to, to push back and to challenge. It was funny, I was on a project one time and at the very end, our, our project manager was you know, going like doing an appreciation thing and, and talking about like what characteristic each person brought to the project. And it was kind of funny because she, to me, she was like, I have, she goes, Sean, you have the ability to tell the customer no more than I have ever heard a consultant say. Um, and it's because a lot of times, you know, customers like they'll tell you what they think they need or what they think they want, but you need to be able to push back in order to find out what their actual problem really is, because what they think is a solution might not actually be the solution to their problem. Uh, and so as a consultant, I think that's really important to have that, you know, to listen, to ask questions, but to have the courage to question them, to push back and to lead them. Um, if, you know, a Salesforce admin at a company, you know, might be more of a order taker, but as consultants, our job is to advise. Um, if the client doesn't want to follow our advice, that's okay. But it's our responsibility to kind of push back to say, this is best practice. This is what we're recommending. Here's why we're recommending it. Um, and lead them through that process instead of just being an order taker. Um, a lot of companies have talked about, I've worked on a number of companies and they'll all use the same lingo of, we're not order take, we're not taxi drivers, we're tour guides. Um, and that's, it's true. It's, we actually do need to, to lead and to um, take the customer to a place that they haven't even envisioned yet versus just, you know, taking the orders that they're telling us. Great, great. I love your words about taxi drivers and tour guides. Yeah, it's it's the best ever explanation of what functional consultants do I ever heard. Great. I want to dig deeper into your experience and incredibly diverse experience. Uh, you was working with both for-profit and non-profit organizations, um, as yeah. in, such as American Red Cross, as I remember. What is common and what is different about working at for-profit and non-profit well my my smart ass answer is the way they're common is that all organizations are dysfunctional because they're all filled up with people and people you know we as human beings we like to think that we're rational and logical we're not we're emotional and with moments of rationality and logic um, and so and that that comes out in 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 the way that we interact with each other, the way that we interact with customers, the way that we run businesses. Um, what they're different in is how they actually manifest their dysfunction. Um, I find that nonprofits, um, where the things you'll hit up against with a nonprofit is usually short-term thinking when it comes to where they, with the way that they spend money or do projects. Um, they will spend more money in the long run because they're trying to save money with every the penny pinch um, because they're usually the way their budget is or they're just used to like not wanting to spend money. So they'll try to avoid spending money, but then end up spending more money in the long run because they've tried to, they didn't see the long-term vision of what they wanted to, where they were going with it. Um, 
And then the other thing that you, you have to deal with with a nonprofit is, and not all, there's some wonderful nonprofits, but these are just some characteristics I find that will, this is the challenge as a consultant. Um, the other is that um, they rely often too much on their, on their mission to excuse a bad customer or bad constituent experience. Um, and look, I just had a nonprofit that I was just working with um, to adopt a, a rescue puppy. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, like, do I want to volunteer? Do I want to donate money? Do I want, like, do I want to foster? I'm evaluating this, like, the, the, this nonprofit based on my experience of trying to adopt. Um, and I think a lot of times nonprofits don't remember, hold on, like your, your constituent experience is going to have a ripple effect. Um, but they're also passionate. Um, they're invested in the mission. They're trying to make a difference in the world. So there's some wonderful things about working with them. Um, another difference between nonprofits and, and the for-profit industry is the difference in terminology. Um, and it's ironic, so sales and fundraising, they're basically the same thing. I mean, they're really the same thing. You, you know, instead of a product or a service, you are selling an experience or a feeling um, or a purpose for someone, but that's basically what fundraising is. But don't use those terms. Don't like interchange those terms. Don't call a fundraiser a salesperson. Like they, every, it's it, it's interesting that every, and this is not just profit versus nonprofit. Every industry, there there used to be this. Um, we used to take advantage of knowing that you know with Salesforce, it doesn't matter what what industry our client is in because we're taking best practices from all these different industries that we have exposure to, and so there's a benefit from that. Then um, industries wanted, they wanted their consultants to know their industry, to know their terminology. They don't want to have to explain anything about how they do things. Um, but the irony is that they want to be different than their competitors, but they want their consultants to bring in all, like tell them how their competitors do things. Um, so this is that this contradiction. Um, that I find that's across all industries. They're like, no, we want consultants that know our industry inside and out. But then you're not going to have out of the box thinking if you hire people that are only telling you how the industry works. So it's an interesting um, caveat that you find not only with profit and nonprofit, but also just in the profit world, all the different industries. Well, it sounds like a, some kind of a new view of uh, consultant work because you told that consultants need to talk uh, a lot of languages actually um, different language for every different industry that's amazing it, well and it used to be i mean this is where the industry has changed too and the salesforce has changed because it used to be there weren't different clouds for different industries there was basically sales cloud which was the first cloud um service cloud so you had your sales and your customer support you know Then we got into experience. So you're setting up websites and communities for your your whether it's your partners or your customers to interact with you and each other. But then they started getting industry specific um, and trying to align. And it was interesting because as Salesforce partners, 
saw exactly what was like what was happening beforehand is all of the partners started getting strong-armed to reorganize into vertical alignments. Um, and it was like, why is that, why are we doing that? And then all of a sudden, here come these different clouds that are vertical alignments. Like, okay, that's why. It's like we're aligning with Salesforce. Um, so each each cloud will have a particular industry alignment. And so this is where Salesforce is listening to what industries were saying. I'm like, oh, we want you to speak our language. They started coming up with clouds specific to industries. And so previously when you would only you know, focus on a particular, the industry didn't matter. Now the industry matters because the, because the ecosystem has, has reorganized to suit this and to support this. So it's, it's just changed over the years as, as the Salesforce ecosphere ecosystem has changed. Could you please, uh, tell, how do you motivate, uh, yourself? How do I, how do I motivate myself? So I've got, I mean, I, I have a daily practice. I have a, um, my mornings are really important to me. Um, and for me, like I have different things I will do, whether it's meditation, whether it's, it's prayer, whether it's, it's reading, um, morning walks are, are major for me, but I need that space in the morning where I can kind of get clear and just, that's my time. Um, so I have that, I have different individuals, teachers, speakers, mentors that, that I really glean a lot from. So I will make sure that I'm getting regular doses from them. Um, and then I also will, recognize the reality of where I happen to be. Um, and what I mean by that is like, because we were talking earlier about, uh, you know, those days where you just can't seem to get motivated or like you just don't want to work or you just can't seem to get you know, past the brick wall. Sometimes they're like, when I'm hitting my head up against a brick wall, I'll realize, okay, I just need to stop. There's nothing else that's coming out of here today. So I might, I might stop work and stop work early and say, you know what? I'll make up this time on the weekend. I'll make it up tomorrow. Right now I'm not being, um, I'm, I'm not actually getting any ground here. I'm not being able to, to, to build any momentum. Um, and so I've learned to kind of give myself that space and address it in a, in a different, in a different time. Awesome. And uh, to beautifully finalize our episode, um, I would ask you right now in 2023, if someone listens to us and decides like, I want to start a Salesforce journey, but um, I don't have any prior experience, what would you advise such a person? I think it will depend on what their background is or what they're wanting from it. And the reason I say is with this, with, because with Salesforce, you have a lot, I mean, you have a lot of different options. Um, with their two, well, let me take a step back. There are two, you know, main options. And this is something that, that my manager, when I first wanted to get into Salesforce, my manager had at Red Cross had actually been a Salesforce consultant. So he gave me this advice. He goes, you've got, you know, when I decided to start studying for my, for my admin exam, um, and, and got certified, he goes, you basically have two paths. You can either be an admin working for a company, managing their Salesforce instance, or you can go into consulting and implement Salesforce. Um, and even though 
those two tracks now have a lot of different subtracks within them, it's basically the same. You can either, you know, um, do one or the other. And so part of it is what do you want to work at an organization and really understand their sales force? Or do you want to work on multiple projects with multiple clients and implement over time? Um, and then within that, it's a matter, then it becomes a journey of well, what kind of consultant, what role in consulting or admin do you want? Um, you know, do you gravitate more towards business analysis? Do you want to be a trainer and get into change enablement? Do you want to, you really want to manage projects as a project manager? Are you more relational and want to really get into account management? And there's so many different areas and ways that you can grow. So it will vary. Um, so one, I would say is, you know, get clear about where you're heading. Um, so if you have an idea of what, what kind of position that you want to go for, what you would eventually like to, you know, see yourself in, find someone in that role and ask them, you know, what they would do, like how they got, you know, what kind of advice for, for actually getting to that, you know, that stage or that, you know, to kind of map out that path. Um, and if you're not sure, say, you know what, I have no idea what direction I want to go in with it just start pick one and start learning um and then as you're learning not examine but you know, be you know spend some time and and getting clear about are you enjoying it what are you enjoying what are you not enjoying um what are you good at what are you not good at um and let that kind of tweak and and um map out your own path based on that so it, for me it, you know it's it's one thing if if you have an end result in mind, that becomes a lot easier because you have something to aim for and you can find ways towards it. I've never been that way. For me, it's my career path has been more of a of surfing. Uh, I know a general direction, but I but the industry keeps changing and things keep changing. So I can't tell you what I want to do in ten years because I don't know what. The, what it's going to look like in 10 years. I don't know what the world's going to look like in 10 years. I don't know what the industry is going to look like. So for me, it's been like surfing where I know my direction, but I got to be cognizant of what waves are around me, what's coming up behind me. How do I take advantage of what's in front of me at the moment? Um, and, and kind of just, you know, surf along with it. So, you know, get clear what you want to do or just pick something and then use it to gain information about yourself and and grow accordingly and then change your course as you get more information but trailheads are a great way to start um if you are you know mentoring shadowing projects um there's a lot of depending on what your role your what your current role is will drive what um the next steps would be Perfect. Thank you so much. And I think that uh, we, we might invite you again because we still have lots of questions and it was really a big, big pleasure. Thank you, Sean. My, my pleasure. It's been great. I'd be glad to come back anytime. Thanks, Sean, for joining us today. And yeah, it's been a real pleasure listening to you and your brilliant stories. And a lot of them just um, resonate. Thanks. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. 
Uh, yeah, thank you very much. It was a fantastic discussion full of energy and inspiration. And we really appreciate that you are with us today. I wish you all the best. Don't forget to subscribe, hit the like and leave a comment. So we know that uh, you want to see Sean, uh, to hear Sean one more time or just uh, uh, you hear us and we want to hear from you. Bye. Bye bye.